Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Monday podcast on the 26th of February 2024. I'm Andy Eubank. Joining me today, Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller on the news, including concern about a new farm bill not getting done this election year and a Southern Indiana partnership that is supporting conservation. The Hat Podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. FFBT.com for more and stop by your local branch. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin here too, detailing our warm-up this week, followed by a sharp change in conditions and liquidation Friday in the ag markets. Analysis with Brian Basting coming soon on the Hoosier Ag Today Monday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. For many of you here in Indiana, agriculture is your life's work and legacy. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Continuing to push for a new farm bill this year and an agency that's helping with conservation efforts across southern Indiana. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. With 2024 being an election year and Democrats and Republicans drawing lines in the sand over funding, many ag leaders are concerned that a new farm bill may not get done again this year. Eric Pfeiffer has more. The best thing you can do is reach out to your elected official and tell them how the farm bill is important to your farm. That's Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval, who says it's critical that Congress finish a farm bill this year. Farm bill is essential to our farmers and ranchers as it ensures funding for risk management tools that are important to them. Farming is difficult and risky business, and the farm bill helps farmers weather the storms. Even though Congress passed an extension of the 2018 farm bill, getting a new farm bill done is still a priority of ours. Farmers and ranchers need and deserve a modernized farm bill that reflects changes our industry has gone through in the last five years. Duval says Farm Bureau members are sending a clear message to Congress. The farm bill can't wait. We ask our members to step up to the plate to advocate for this issue, and boy, have they done that. Our members have sent more than 10,000 messages to their senators and representatives asking them to get the farm bill done. We've had messages from all over the country and nearly every state. Our members from California to Florida to Texas to Minnesota have made their voices heard. He encourages all farmers to get involved in farm bill advocacy. You can share your story about how the farm bill has helped you and what you would like to see written in the new farm bill. If you're not already a Farm Bureau member, we encourage you to join us by going to your local county Farm Bureau and getting involved with the grassroots. You can learn more at fb.org advocacy. Take action today by reaching out to your elected officials. You can do that by finding this story and clicking on the link at hoosieragtoday.com. 
I'm Eric Pfeiffer. When it comes to conservation efforts across the state, Indiana's farmers are among the leading practitioners, but also so are Indiana's foresters and woodland owners. And one agency that's leading the way in those conservation efforts is the Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape. The Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape is a partnership of government and private entities that come together to support sustainable rural uses of our land, which in turn supports the missions and training that occur on our critical military installations in southern Indiana. And that's Michael Spaulding, program coordinator with the Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape, which is part of the Conservation Law Center in Bloomington. And those major federal agencies involved include the U.S. Departments of Agriculture, Defense, and Interior. Spalding's territory covers more than three and a half million acres across southern Indiana, including the land in and around Camp Atterbury and the Crane Naval Facility. The southern Indiana Sentinel landscape has recently received funding from the USDA's Regional Conservation Partnership Program. The RCPP is a program opportunity through the Natural Resources Conservation Service. They put this funding out there that partners can coalesce around, put together a compelling need and a project for, and then use those resources to support conservation activities by farmers, producers, forest owners to implement practices on their land to make their operations more sustainable. And that funding from the RCPP will restore over 25,000 acres of forest land and increase sustainable farming practices on tens of thousands of acres. So the RCPP uh, will have opportunities for cropland practices. Cover crops is one of the best-known examples that farmers can tap into. And then on the woodland side, we have activities like forest stand improvement and brush management, which uh, helps get invasive species under control. Spalding gives a great deal of credit to the Indiana Forestry and Woodland Owners Association, or IFWO for short, in spreading the word about conservation efforts and letting woodland owners know about the resources that are available to help with those efforts. They are connecting with those landowners. I make connections directly with landowners through them, and and they promote these practices out to them. And, And just in conversations I've had with these great landowners, uh, it, it really resonates how that message is getting out there. And it's getting out there to a large number of people. So so by them being able to combine that outreach power with us bringing new resources into Indiana for this work, uh, we're really going to see some benefits over the next five years. You can hear my full conversation with Michael Spaulding from Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape, as well as a link to find their website and additional information. It's all at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Farm Credit America believes that your crop insurance should be maximized to address what's important to you. With their data-optimized decision tool, you can build a policy custom-fit to your operation's goals. Using your past production data, their tool, which they have exclusive access to in their territory, maps out future events, helping you choose the perfect policy time, coverage level, and options for you, all guided by their crop insurance agents. To learn more, visit fcma.com slash crop dash insurance. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity provider. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs>
to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. (laughs) Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. We've got very warm air headed towards us as we get this week underway, but we also have a monster frontal boundary that's headed towards us as well. It's going to bring precipitation and then a sharp change in the weather. Let's talk about how it all fits together. First of all, today, not too shabby, sunny and warm, partly to mostly sunny, I guess we should say. And temperatures are going to be pushing the upper 50s, low 60s pretty easily here. I think that this is our last fully dry day with warmth this week. We probably get even warmer tomorrow. I think we'll easily be in the mid-60s, and central and southern Indiana can flirt with 70 degrees, but we're seeing a little bit of moisture coming in right away tomorrow morning. North, northern Indiana, northwest Indiana, southwest Michigan, down near the Ohio River, I think we end up with 60% coverage of rain showers through Tuesday. Thunderstorms? I don't think so at this point. Tuesday, I'm not concerned about thunderstorms, at least during the first part of the day. Now, overnight, Tuesday night into early Wednesday, sure, thunderstorms can fire off because we have a dramatic change coming. Very strong front, so threats of severe weather, yep, those are possible here as we move through the overnight Tuesday night and into early Wednesday morning. Big rains, I think the early Tuesday rains will be anywhere from a quarter to half an inch, coverage at 60%, and then the overnight Tuesday night Wednesday rains are going to be a quarter to one inch, coverage at 100% of the Hoosier State, and then the cold air comes. It's probably going to be here after sunrise on Wednesday, but we see very strong winds, very gusty winds, and a big big drop in temperatures it could be fast enough so that we see rain end to snow but honestly I don't think we see that much of a threat in Indiana of that where we see the snow probably as everything ends is going to be in Michigan and I don't think it's going to be a big problem here so it's something I'm keeping an eye on right now but we're probably not cold enough fast enough for snow but we do get very chilly through the Wednesday afternoon time frame and we're quite chilly on Thursday as well below normal temperatures well I guess close to normal upper 30s to low 40s across the region we might not be brutally cold you go farther back upstream into North Dakota the upper Midwest they're seeing Arctic air come but I think that air modifies quite a bit before it gets here we keep the chill around through Thursday that's for sure and then once we get into Friday temperatures start to moderate again and we're dry get sunshine back i don't think we're nearly as warm friday as what we're seeing here today or even back into yesterday but we're moderating temperatures and then saturday sunday we're looking pleasant here next week we have another monster frontal boundary trying to come through the great plains it's going to be dry here on monday but winds ramp up monday night tuesday scattered rain showers and then the cold air comes in behind that for next tuesday night through wednesday so up and down roller coaster ride get used to it we're going to be very warm followed by very cold each of the next two weeks at least that's a look at your forecast update i'm meteorologist ryan martin do you have an interest in taking your hay or livestock operation to the next level but need some help doing it 
Then head out to the Hay and Livestock Expo hosted by Reynolds Farm Equipment, March 15th from 8 to 3 at the Boone County Fairgrounds. Join them for free lunch and hear from speakers, visit over 15 vendor booths, win door prizes, and more. Pre-register for a chance to win a roll of net wrap and hay knife. To register or for more information, visit events.reynoldsfarmequipment.com slash hay-livestock-expo-24. A sell-off once again as liquidation rules the week. This is Hoosier Ag Today and the Friday Farm Market Review. I'm into Eubank, everything down, double-digit losses in wheat and soybeans, and we'll have those numbers coming up. First, market analysis. I grabbed that in the middle of the Friday trading session from Brian Basting, economist at Advanced Trading. Liquidation continues, really an ugly mess throughout the week, and I noticed the March corn contract went below $4 on Friday. So things are looking a little bit bleak, and you have to wonder at this point, when is the buying going to come in as we reach these levels we're currently at? Well, I think there's a combination of factors, as you said, at work, Andy, triggering the liquidation. We've got the, um, the first notice day for, for March corn futures is next week. We've also got some basis contracts that are out there that the producers are having to make decisions on. Um, they've kind of pushed them into an uncomfortable spot where the they either have to roll those options out, roll those contracts out, and, and basically take a pretty big hit or liquidate, and which is bearish uh, either way, but uh, more so bearish if they liquidate. But point being is that, yes, we have seen some, some massive liquidation here the last week, as a matter of fact. Psychologically, I would just say, Andy, maybe some end users are putting their toe in the water at $4 here. I think that that's just a good pro- point where probably some of them are at least sampling the sampling the, the market there and and i obviously i can't say by any means that for certain that that's that's uh, any type of bottom but i think some type of, of consolidation perhaps at that level but um we are in an interesting environment where all those things are coming into play here again with march futures especially next week that um it's hard to predict what may happen over the next week but for the time being um i think some end users are at least at least testing the waters at four dollars Soybean futures, not any better there, maybe even a little bit bleaker looking. And the export sales report, one day delayed coming out on Friday morning, certainly did nothing to help the picture. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's a marketing year low that we saw this morning in export sales of beans. We need to do about 10 million bushels of sales per week the second half of the crop year to reach the USDA forecast that they came out with earlier this month. I think it's 1.72 billion bushels for the year. We need to do 10 million and we only sold two this week. And what's even more a bit scary about that is that the uh, South American harvest is just beginning to get uh, some momentum. Obviously in Brazil, they're about uh, 45% done with the harvest nationwide. Uh, Not even started yet though in Argentina and Argentina's catching some rain. Bottom line is that um, there's a growing feeling that the USDA is, is too optimistic with that export number looked at another way is that the the carryout stocks could be building from what that number that the USDA showed us earlier this month and they showed us earlier this month I believe over 300 um, let me get my number straight here 315 was the number they showed us earlier this month and that was 25 higher than 35 higher than, than January so bottom line on that Andy is it feels like as you said export sales were an exceptionally competitive environment right now that's not favoring a U.S. origin. So it's 
tough to, tough to get a bullish scenario there. What about wheat? There's just a lot of cheap wheat on the world market. Yeah, you summarized that well. A lot of cheap wheat on the world market. We are the residual supplier at the moment worldwide for wheat. Uh, that means that when everybody else um, has looked at and, and finally been either exhaust all their supplies or run their supplies down to bare minimum and prices increased, we are waiting uh, to, to sell some modest export sales this week, but nothing nothing at all to get excited about. Uh, a little bit of scuttlebutt in the market this week about um, the sanctions that the U.S. has applied to Russia and how that um, may slow down some shipments or alter shipments, who knows. But if, if nothing else, it fueled a little bit of short covering, but underline the word uh, the words a little bit because um, it certainly hasn't been enough to, to stabilize, to do anything more than just stabilize things at these low levels. So um, I just remind your listeners that um, we've had back-to-back droughts, for example, out west, Kansas and Oklahoma, and those crops are looking very good at the moment because they've got a lot more moisture this year. So it's difficult to find problems with western hemisphere, beg your pardon, northern hemisphere crops at the moment, whether it's in the U.S., Europe, Russia, Ukraine, China. None of those crops are suffering any types of drought or um, winter kill at the moment. You touched earlier on finding a bottom, and I'll put you on the spot. Not that I really want to put you on the spot, but we can't help but ask in corn, soybeans, and wheat, what will the bottoms be and when do we get there? Go ahead and say that's an well, unfair question. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's all right. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a treacherous slope here because the market knows that they're, the producer, at least in the case of corn, is kind of boxed in at the moment uh, with a lot of old crop being held. I think that the end user, Andy, another way to look at it, I'll, I'll turn the, the tails, uh, turn it around for a second. The end user has been buying on the way down. For example, Mexico's bought a lot of corn between 450 and four dollars in March corn, that's a little bit scary because they bought. You can argue too early, and who's going to be buying down here? So it'll turn around when we least expect it. I guess I would say for the moment, I'm not going to, you know, guarantee, but I, any price prediction. But that 375 to four dollar range, I think, is a value level at some point here where where end users are going to come in. We'll get past March deliveries. We'll start March deliver. That that'll work itself out one way or another the next ten days. Either it's going to be a complete washout and a total collapse, or it's going to stabilize. But regardless, it's going to be behind us. And we'll get into to March, and we'll get into some, some uncertainty about acreage. We'll get into some uncertainty about um, Brazilian growing. I'd remind your view, or your listeners, Andy, that um, they're planting the safrinha crop in Brazil, about, about two-thirds planted. And Mato Grosso, the largest state, but nationwide about half planted. They're, we're going to have a weather market in some type of weather, uh, not a weather scare necessarily, but a weather market March and April and May when that corn pollinates. So there'll be a little bit of short covering somewhere in here as you get into the month of March. But for beans, I'd say about another, again, you know, 11 to 11.50 is a pretty good value level. So um, it's just a, a market that uh, is, is finding hard finding it hard to find bullish news. Brian Basting, economist at Advanced Trading, and you can get Brian at 309-664-2314. Settlements now. 
Six and a quarter lower on March corn Friday. It ends below four dollars at three ninety nine and three quarters. May contract four thirteen and a half, a nickel lower. And July four and a half down, four twenty six and a quarter. March beans eleven thirty three, fourteen and three quarters lower. May down a dime and three quarters at eleven forty one and three quarters. And March wheat five seventy three and a half, another nine and three quarters lower. The meats ended the week mostly higher. April live cattle 187.90 up a dollar 35 and April lean hogs flat at 87.20 all the deferreds up about a half dollar. I'm Andy Eubank with the Friday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm network.